0: Let's see here, wrestling, ra- wrestling, wrestling, what's on wrestling
1: tonight? Impact. Oh, God.
2: Which, I will say this in defense of Impact, I find it more entertaining, at least, you know, kind of storyline, character-wise, because it just seems like everybody gets a chance to step up to the mic. Yeah. It's
1: just and like, they, seem, they seem to be more aware that they're stupid.
2: Well, they're just aware, that, like, they seem to know that they're just playing characters.
1: Yeah, but it's I don't know. It's kind of hard to watch. I've tried.
2: Honestly, I'm only there for Velvet Sky and Christy Hemme.
1: Yeah, the women wrestlers are actually much better than WWE ones. Well, that's
2: because they're actually getting trained to wrestle. I mean, isn't that the name
0: that... of Isn't that the name of of uh, Kay and and uh, Yuri's uh, organization? Named after a wrestling organization?
1: Yes, they are. <laughs> the three W A. Oh God. I love Dirty Pair. And I believe they were actually named after an actual tag team. They are? I think it was like the Lovely Pair, and somebody said, what if they were the Dirty Pair? And then the guy who would go on to make the Dirty Pair novel was like, yes. <laughs> and then thought the Dirty Pair were born.
0: So the 3WA is a real women's organization, huh?
1: I don't know if they're
2: still around. Oh. Oh, yeah, I watched the uh, Mark Hamill Guyver the other night, and I was like...
0: The live-action Guyver? Yeah. Oh. I, God. Uh,
2: I I and I re and about a month ago I was over at a Buddy's place and he had gone to a garage sale when he was in uh Edmonton visiting some family and he got uh the first three I think it was the first dubbed release of the original Guyver anime. He got like the first 3D first 3 DVDs out of that set. And we watched those and then I was like that's fucking awesome and then I watched Guyver last night. And I was like why? Why is the guy from The Last House.? Because like, I hadn't seen this movie in like three years. Three or four years. So I kind of forgot. Why is that dude from The Last. The Hills Have Eyes here? Oh my god, is that Dr. West? And he's called Dr. East? <laughs> Mark Hamill got half turned into a cockroach. Why yeah, is the fish bat thing rapping? It's pretty bad. Yeah. And then the, the the I think the thing that really just made me just like okay this is just a comedy is the Jaws reference at the end there. Well, you know they can get Jaws
0: references really easily. I mean they had their Richard Dreyfus and piranhas 3D for crying out
2: loud. I know I want to watch that <laughs> <laughs> again because yeah. I've seen that a couple of times. And it's like I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever, but it's the greatest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> It's the perfect movie to watch at two in the morning when you're coming home from work and you're tired and you don't want to think. You just don't want to. Oh, Naked Breasts.
0: <laughs> well, there's anime for and, that.
2: Well, yeah, but I'm just tired of anime. I mean, I've been watching so much anime lately that I really just, I'm going to put it away for a while. You know, just you know, put it on Teletoon Retro and watch the repeats of the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. And not the Looney Tunes show because that can burn.
1: <laughs> right, I right? miss the days when they would show the Bugs Bunny Tweety show.
2: Yeah, it can burn
1: right next to the Lunatics Unleashed. Oh God, we tried not to remember that. <laughs> I mean, what? What? That, that 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 never happened.
0: Yeah, we're going okay. to. Yeah, that 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 was a black hole of uh, black holeness.
1: If you could, I mean, I
2: I I would love to hear. See if you could find somebody to defend that.
0: web fiction world before web comics there was independent and self-published web release written fiction and literature find this all at webcastbeacon.com be sure to grab a master rss feed or
1: master itunes feed and not miss a thing
0: Welcome to Wrestling Aficionados. I'm your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co host, the one, the only, the man, team is Mr. Neal.
1: This is the greatest night in the history of our sport.
0: <laughs> and we have with us the powerful, the mighty, the devious JT from Saskatoon.
2: Oh, God, I blanked. <laughs> also, I, the, I, s- I, the blank. I'm just going to do the. Macho Man line from Spider-Man, and I just brain farted. <laughs> the brain
3: fart! Okay,
0: that's
2: a little mean, Ben. Come on.
0: <laughs> okay. Alright, so, Neil, get us started on this wrestling history.
1: Okay, well, before we had all the had all this fancy-schmancy uh, sports entertainment, there was the old territory days. It was basically just the NWA and, like, all these territories where you had, like... A world champion here and a world champion there, and all these all these territories were run by different companies. And this is basically where all the all the companies that we know now came from. All two uh, of them. Like, Well, yeah, the two that exist now. But you also had the AWA that came out of that. That was that was the company that Vern Gagne started up, where he basically uh, had a disagreement over who the champion was. So he made his own company so that he could be the champion. And I wish there was another way to put that, but that's basically what happened. So
0: he went he went uh King Henry on them. Basically.
1: And you guys go going he <laughs> eventually WWF and WCW will spring out of this. And uh I'd say mid seventies I think it happened was uh the the famous Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler <laughs> feud. Oh god, yes. Andy
0: Kaufman, the uh, intersexual uh yeah. uh wrestling champion. The intergender champion. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Intersexual? Yeah, yeah,
1: which might have a different connotation. <laughs> no, it's it's transsexual. It's uh... well, that's even worse. <laughs> Andy Andy Coffin was a huge wrestling fan, and he was actually friends with Jerry Lawler, and uh, the two of them made this made this huge feud up where uh, uh, Andy Coffin come in with the intergender championship, where he only wrestled women, and uh, a couple times he really got his ass kicked by by uh, Because he he would invite women in from the crowd, he would beat them. But occasionally he'd get this he'd get a woman who was like bigger than him, and he'd nearly lose. (laughs) And this all escalated into into the feud with Jerry Lawler, where he Jerry Lawler uh, got into a wrestling match with him and uh, did a couple pile drivers uh, to him and uh, put him in the hospital in quotes. And and for I'd say like months after that, uh, uh, Andy Kaufman would. Just be like walking around with this with this stupid neck brace. He'd go he'd go into like uh, interviews. He'd be wearing it. The guy was the guy was the ultimate troll. He he <laughs> I love Andy Kaufman. It was wrestling was was the was the perfect uh, stage for him.
0: Well, you know what? There hasn't been a troll like Andy Kaufman since Capcom.
1: <laughs> well, he predates
0: Capcom. I know, but there hasn't been one afterwards quite as great. Except for Capcom, is what I mean to say. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I remember hearing about that when I first started getting into wrestling in the mid-90s and they mentioned Kaufman, this, right, King, right? And uh, the King, like, you see him on Raw he just gets this look in his face. He's like, yeah, that's right, JR. Now, how about we call the match? And, you know, just that's <laughs> in the nascent days of the internet. So I'm, like, looking up, you know, for... This is, like, way before Wiki. So I'm, like, trying to find all these, like, fan, like, GeoCities wrestling sites. And it's, like he slapped him and he's in a neck brace. <laughs> That's my, that was my reaction. It's just like yeah. a slap and he's in a neck brace.
1: What? And what's funny is that that sort of shtick would eventually become the shtick of, uh, of other wrestling people in the wrestling business, such as uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, because Bobby Heenan was always doing stuff like that, where he'd get sort of roughed up by a wrestler, and you'd see him in the neck brace for weeks, and he'd, he'd constantly like whine about how his neck would hurt. 'Cause you were yeah. supposed to hate Bobby the Brain Heenan, but Heenan was funny. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's one of my favorite managers of all time. I mean just like that that shot of him getting throttled by Andre. And you just see him like Andre's hands just envelop his neck, and you see like chin and then thumb and forefinger and just his eyes are just like <laughs> So let's
0: talk about some terminology. It's uh there's uh there's of course uh the job. I'll have. Uh, yeah. Who wants to explain jobbing? I'll let
1: basically, you. Basically, know. it's yeah. It's basically it's uh, you know putting another guy over. That's another term, by the way. Put over. It's uh, <laughs> uh, it's you know, you got a guy who's who's coming up in the ranks and you know trying to make a star out of him. So you get some someone who's already established and you know wrestle that guy and be the one who gets his clock clean and lay down and go you know, put the other guy over. So he do, that's doing the job.
0: Well, it's sort of like a, to, uh to tomorrow from uh you know, jobbing is basically where, as I understand it from other things other than wrestling is basically it's when someone who is clearly outmatched wins anyways, because he's a fan favorite. It's uh to use the comic book example, it's Spider-Man versus Fire Lord.
4: Oh God.
0: JT, you know Spider-Man didn't stand a chance against Fire Lord.
2: I'm not without the symbiote suit. That
0: doesn't matter. That's like an infinitesimal fraction of a, of extra strength against the Herald of Galactus. Are you actually arguing <laughs> that Spider-Man in any form can defeat a Herald of Galactus?
2: Not unless he's wearing the symbiote suit. That's what I'm saying. The symbiote <laughs> suit is really shit. Ed- oh, I'm just saying that was the only reason that people accept the fact, you know, even though it made no sense is the fact that he had the symbiote on him. That's it. You know, otherwise any other form, you know, unless he was had the captain universe powers, that doesn't count. (laughs) I'm just
1: saying. So there's also the term jobber, which is the guy who always loses. And that would be like, uh, uh, oh, shit, who's the guy that had the handprint on the back of his jacket where he'd, like, pat himself on the back? Uh, Barry Horowitz. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mr. Technical Barry Horowitz. He would be. He was, like, the lifelong WWF jobber guy where he would just basically get his clock cleaned by everybody. Yeah. Didn't, just, uh, except for the one time that he beat Skip. <laughs> so he's sort, of, sort
2: of, yeah. of like Turk. Yeah. Yeah, and didn't, like, Al Snow... Didn't they have a click with Al Snow in the WWE back in the day where there it, it was the job crew and it had like Pin Me, Pay Me.
1: Something like that, It had yeah. like
2: the, him and the blue meanie and some like, uh, oh, what's his name? The, bit the bit the Turnbuckles. Crazy bald dude. Bit the Turnbuckles. Uh,
1: oh, uh, 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 uh Georgie Animal Steel.
2: That's it. Yeah, it had like Georgie Animal Steel and then Luna Vashon. They, they were basically, it was like a jobber click around the time that, like uh, DX hit in the 90s, you know, and it's just It was just played for laughs. You know, that was like when Al Snow had like, you know, I forget what he had written backwards in the head and he had head with him, like the mannequin head, you know? Yeah. I I just, that was my introduction to jobs and like jobbers and everything. It's like, why is he just getting his ass kicked all the time?
1: And that's where the term jabroni comes from is too. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I heard that and I was like, pierogi, What? No, it's a, that was like probably one of the most well-known terms. I mean, the one the one thing that took me forever to figure out what it actually meant was kayfabe.
1: Oh yeah, you know, kayfabe, which is uh,
2: basically them playing uh, what happens in wrestling as real life. Like you know, there is no division, yeah. yet. which is you know something like uh, like this past Monday on Raw, you see. Uh, Jericho trying to psych out CM Punk going up to WrestleMania and bringing up the fact that his dad's an alcoholic and his sister has, like, drug issues or something like that. That's all kayfabe, and it's kind of using the real – it also could mean, like, using some of real life in the storylines.
0: So, But there's another term, uh, heel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Which goes hand-in-hand hand with, with the babyface, face, and uh, basically this is – heel is the bad guy, baby face is a good guy. And there's also the tweener who's like neither. He's kind of uh, in Anti-kill. between.
0: And then there's turning yeah. heel. Yeah, like turning uh, heel, turning face. Like is, uh, like, uh, like uh, Sergeant Slaughter turned heel and became a uh, Iraqi supporter.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I I that's like you know that again. I was like ten when that happened. I I I knew kids who were just like crying the next day, like you said, Sergeant Slaughter. Next, you just see him just start welling up, and I was like. <laughs>
1: Throwing away their their uh, GI Joe fears. Yeah, you know, there's this like everything I know is a lie.
2: You <laughs> see, so you got that little fire of everything. You know, throwing like the old Sergeant Slaughter like thin plastic Halloween mask that cut into your face, throwing that into the fire. Next thing you know, you're, you're throwing in like the little tank that he had from the GI Joe toys, stuff like that. Yeah, no, that when he when he turned out was like huge. That was like one of those first big event moments, events in wrestling. You know, it's up there with like Macho getting bit by Jake the Snake's Damien.
1: Oh my god. Yeah, but and then uh that 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 feud oh wait, I'm thinking of the feud before that. But that feud was kind of uh that that feud came right off the, the Warrior feud, which actually didn't go anywhere because the Warrior like left the WWF immediately after starting a feud with Jake the Snake.
2: Oh you mean he's uh
1: What? These batshit
2: insane is what you're saying?
1: Yeah. So what era are we on now? We're we're basically doing the uh the classic WWF era which uh, started with Vince McMahon Jr. bought bought the WWF from his from his father Vince Sr. and thus brought us to the the Rock and Wrestling era which was this where Hulk Hogan shows up? Yeah, this this is where Vince McMahon tried to basically attach himself to everything that was hip and cool. They they had wrestling on MTV. You know, that's when they brought Cindy Lauper in and teamed them up. Teamed her up with, uh, with uh, uh, Captain Lou Albano, and they just had anyone that they. Do they have find. a singing duet? No, but they did have. Aww. They did have Captain Lou in a in a uh, in a Cindy Lauper video.
0: Oh, that would have been funny though if they were singing together because we've heard Captain Lou sing before. Oh God!
2: <laughs>
1: it also gave it one of my
2: favorite cartoons of of the eighties. Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Oh God! <laughs> Let the media blitz begin.
1: <laughs> Ruby Spears.
2: Uh, I I just wanted I like I don't know if they ever made toys for the show. I just wanted to have like they had toys. I wanted to have the cars from that show. Like Hulk had oh. this big white pimped out caddy, and Roddy <laughs> Piper, who was a heel at the time, his car was basically a giant set of bagpipes. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it was. The, so... the
2: sheep had like the oh, that was so good.
0: So what I remember is, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan became a big star. I mean, he was even in some movies. I'll let uh, Neil
1: briefly touch his movie career. Oh, uh, No Holds Barred, Suburban Commando. Uh, right, Scott. Those, those are...
2: I was frozen today!
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that was horrible shit. But uh, Mr. Yeah. Nanny,
2: three, new, three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain... Uh, what was the TV? Oh wait, that isn't until he was in WCW.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Hulk Hogan he he started in he started becoming popular in AWA and then he was immediately snatched up by WWF. And it was kind of a funny thing because WWF was like just taking talent left and right from AWA. And then later on, when WCW started doing that to, to WWF, then all of a sudden Vince McMahon's like, "Hey, wait a minute, that's, that's what, not fair." Yeah.
0: What's what's didn't Hogan like briefly call himself Hollywood Hogan because of some copyright issue with uh, Marvel?
1: Yeah, but WC that was in WCW, and what's funny is that the stupid announcer that they had, uh, Tony Schiavone, kept calling him Hulk Hogan anyway. He'd go Hollywood Hulk Hogan, and so they had to keep that keep that licensing going with Marvel instead of you know just going all all the way with Hollywood. That
0: Hogan. that was when he was wearing a frilly boa instead of the. Instead of the uh, rubber
1: yellow shirt, yeah. yeah. And uh, H- Hogan Hogan's career in the WWF started like uh, like a week before he won the championship. He just all of a sudden runs out and makes the save on some match, and then like the next week he gets uh, he gets the title match against the Iron Sheik, who had just won the title, and he pins him in like two minutes. I think the match is really short. Did he get the job? Yeah, oh, uh yeah, the Iron Sheik totally did the job for Hulk Hogan. Basically laid down for him. He he, he might as well have. Was this because of the... Rocky 3? Um that was before that. Yeah, we forgot to mention Rocky 3. Uh, was that Rocky 2? Rocky... No, that was 3. Rocky 3 was... was before the AWA thing because Hulk Hogan was in WWF before and then he got the deal to do the movie and then Vince McMahon Sr. said, "Well, if you're doing the movie, you're not going to work for me because I need you to work" So he's like, okay, I'll go to AWA, and then he did the movie with with Sylvester Stallone, and then and then after you know Hogan got got really well known and famous, then he got snatched back to WWF, and that's yeah, I I think he was even using Eye of the Tiger as his theme song in WWF for a short time. Wow.
2: Yeah, and, and can't yeah. you can't forget his name in the Rocky movie? It's the greatest name in all of sports entertainment. Thunderlips. lips.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Thunder
2: lips. <laughs> I mean, that was back in the day when he had that freaking, you know, he's the only guy that had the balls, at least as a kid, I thought. He's the only guy that was, like, awesome enough to rock the handlebar, goatee mustache like that. And I was like, Thunder Lips? That's Hulk Hogan. My dad leads over, it's a movie. Oh. <laughs> did, he
0: almost, uh, did you almost break the fourth wall?
2: Almost. Don't even get me started on No Holds part. Although, when I saw that, when I saw the trailer for that, I think I saw it in front of, like, Karate Kid 2 or something. When I saw that trailer, I was like, Hulk Hogan's in a movie? Hulk Hogan can't be in a movie. He's the wrestler. He has to wrestle. (laughs) Well, that's what Vince McMahon said. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, come on, you gotta admit, no holes barred. That is, like, one of those, you can't. It's a cheesy gem. It's It does everything right with every cliche it has. It even, ha- it even has Kurt Fuller as the stereotypical evil executive. Oh, my oh, God.
0: Oh, my God. When we bring up Dwayne Johnson's acting career, there's so many parallels. True. Uh,
3: I True. mean, come on. What did he no call it?
0: The game plan. Come on. Oh,
2: that's not even that's. Be fair. <laughs> that's a, you can't compare those movies. Well, they were well, you know, at least we I can feel the them. rundown and no holds barred. Those are closer thematically, I think. No, what was what, what did Fuller call everyone in no holds barred? I don't remember. It's like um, is like jock something. It just it's right there. I can't.
1: Well, all I remember from that movie is just uh, Hulk Hogan being trapped in that limousine, and he like bursts out the top of it, and he's like he's like fighting off the bad guys, and he gets one in his hands. And he lifts him up, and he's like, "What's that smell?" And the guy goes, "Dookie." And it shows the back of his pants, and it's all wet. And I'm like, "Ah." Oh.
2: <laughs> just, just leans in. And he's like, "Dookie." <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and this this was back when Hulk Hogan was just an unstoppable force of nature. I mean, the guy, I think in a decade from like 1985 to 1995, he'd only lost like one match legitimately against the Ultimate Warrior. To get the belt off him the first time though, <laughs> they had to arrange this ridiculous match with him and Andre, and they had they had the twin referees, and one was evil, and the other one was like locked in the back, and Andre goes to pin Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, of course, cannot lose, so he, he kicks out a two, but the referee slaps three anyway, and that's how Hogan loses the belt. And then uh the million dollar man tried to buy the belt from uh from Andre and Here's another great story. The Million Dollar Man had had his uh, his bodyguard Virgil. Now, J.T., do you do you know the 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 genesis of the name Virgil? Why that came to be? No, I do not. Uh, there, I know so he's I actually Virgil. he's named after another wrestler, wrestling promoter by the name of Virgil Runnels, who is also known as Dusty Rhodes. And the reason for that is that Vince McMahon does not like Dusty Rhodes. So they named so they named the this like total loser you know bodyguard after after this other guy they named him Virgil and Ver, the bodyguard Virgil his whole job is you know just just to wipe the shoes of the Million Dollar Man and and you know hold on to the Million Dollar Belt because Million Dollar Man had his own belt for some reason you know just basically just be a lackey for him. So and million
0: Dollar Man put, sounds like the ultimate heel character to me.
1: Yeah, he, Million Dollar Man is the best heel character that never won the belt. And it's a crime that he never won, because <laughs> he, was, he was the greatest. Yeah. I mean, come on, laugh. <laughs> money, 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 money. But the funniest thing about that storyline is that they actually brought in Dusty Rhodes Everybody and put him into a feud with the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> and... And that feud lasted until Dusty Rhodes finally left the WWF. But in the final match, it was Dusty Rhodes and his son versus Million Dollar Man and Virgil. And that was the match where they turned Virgil good. They turned him face. So Dusty Rhodes' last match in WWF was to put over the character that was a parody of him.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my God. I remember that WrestleMania... Where it was, he lost. he lost Some the belt, ride, like to Virgil by count out because he was dicking around outside, and then Virgil lost really it again know, a couple of pay per views later due to interference by the Repo man. <laughs> oh,
1: God, that was yeah. terrible.
2: Otherwise known as the Hamburglar of the WWF. He was. <laughs> oh my God. So who was the Grimace?
1: Um, Earthquake.
0: Wait.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. So. Uh, I know. Let's talk about uh, WWF Primetime Wrestling. <laughs> this was on, this was what was on before Raw. It, it was like a two-hour show, and it was. Here's the funny thing: back in the '80s, uh, all your prime shows were like uh, uh, the occasional Saturday Night's main event, and then there were the two weekend shows, which were like Superstars, and I don't know what else. And then you had you had Primetime Wrestling, which was like the recap of all of those, but it was two hours, and it was hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. And these two were like the ultimate goofs. They they it's not like today where you know you have Vince McMahon in the headset, you know, telling the, the announcers what to say. These two would just ad lib the whole show. And the best one they ever did was a Halloween episode where Bobby's dressed as something. He might have been dressed as the Weasel, and Gorilla is wearing a gorilla costume and he's got this mask on so you can't see him. But they're doing the show and then at the very end, they're about to sign off and Gorilla Monsoon walks into camera and he's like, Sorry I'm late and Bobby <laughs> the brain looks at the guy in the gorilla suit. looks at looks at Gorilla Monsoon. And he's like, "Who the hell have I, been, have I been doing the show with for two hours?" And it goes off. <laughs> so this Those, is back when wrestling
0: yeah. was like a cartoon.
1: Yeah, it, for about two years straight, they did pay per views, and they were hysterical. Yeah when I, when they brought in Ric Flair, that was the best time because Bobby the Rainman was a huge Ric Flair fan, and every time he would lose, he would just go ballistic.
2: Yeah, and just calling bullshit and all that. I remember the first WrestleMania I ever saw was WrestleMania six and a friend of mine was all upset because Bobby wasn't calling the play by play because he had to he was managing still managing Andre at the time, so he had to take Andre down to the ring. Yeah. So you got Gorilla Monsoon who is and I mean I love King and I love JR, but Gorilla Monsoon's my all time favorite play by play guy for wrestling. And he had to do it with uh <laughs> with the former governor of Minnesota.
1: Oh god. Yeah. Uh Jesse yeah, Ventura. At,
2: yeah, back in the day this is like post Predator where, you know, he's wearing all the friggin' dangly things off his earring and trying to be like the most macho guy there and I was like, it's less is
1: more <laughs> Yeah, Jesse Ventura he was okay except he was just he wasn't comedically biased like like Bobby was. He was just like almost asshole you know Blatantly biased, where you're like, "How could you be so stupid?" Whereas Bobby the Brain Heenan, he, they would always hint that he that he like was placing bets in the background or something, and he'd he'd make like little allusions to that, like how he's going to lose a lot of money or something like that. But yeah. you know, you never got that from Jesse. Jesse was way too serious, I thought. Wow. No, it's just
2: I love the play by Blake, because I mean, they would call it. It's not like now, like you watch any episode of Raw or SmackDown now, and I'm not harshing on the guys who are there now, like Michael Cole and that, it's just they don't call the play half the time. They spend maybe 30 seconds to a minute actually calling the match, and the rest of the time they're just bickering back and forth or they're selling the next pay-per-view or something. I mean, call
1: yeah. play-by-play
2: back in the day actually had a place. It's almost superfluous now. It doesn't matter anymore.
1: Or nowadays you're talking about the Twitter account or stuff like yeah, that.
2: Yeah, yeah, or... Cole's talking about, hey King, I kicked your ass last year at WrestleMania. He's like, You didn't do shit, Cole. <laughs> that's wow. the one see that's that's I mean we'll get to it later, but that's the great thing about commentators is like they get you into the show, but I mean they don't get you in now the way they used to.
1: I suppose we should bring up the macho man. Who uh Oh yeah. The golden saw is ready
2: the greatest meat snack pitch man of all time. Three whole
1: oh,
0: minutes of playtime.
1: Yeah, he did He did uh, Slim Jim's commercials. Which was this... are still famous. <laughs>
2: Step into a yeah. Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. No, because, I mean, was he in WWF when he started doing that, or was that WCW?
1: He started doing those in WWF, and then he took that deal and went to WCW. So he was doing that the whole time, from, oh, okay. like, the early 90s to, like, I don't know, 97, 98.
2: Yeah. Like, Ah, oh, like I love those commercials but yeah, Macho Man, he deserved that name man. that he was the man.
1: Well, he he was crazy. I loved I loved that about him. He was like he was crazier than the Warrior. If if that can be uh, believed. I don't He know. didn't he didn't he didn't scream and like and like say nonsensical things, but he would just go ballistic. Like like when he was in the feud with the Warrior, he he interfered in the match where where Sgt Slaughter won the title. Uh, he, he he attacked the Ultimate Warrior who was chasing Sensational Sherry, and he just, like, runs out of nowhere, clobbers the Ultimate Warrior, runs over to something else, starts smacking the Ultimate Warrior with that. And he... I, I, I cannot describe to you how crazy this man looked.
2: I just remember how crazy he looked when he came out, and he comes out with, like, the black and white checkerboard jacket with the neon pink and green, like four foot long tassels and his custom made sunglasses. I mean, say what you will about the way he dressed, the dude had style. <laughs> it's just that's what it was loving. It's like he he had like that perfect kind of that, that synergy between like batshit insane and badassery. I mean come on, the name me one guy besides him and Shawn Michaels that can drop an elbow off the top rope and make it look completely badass. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> and this is
0: still the cartoon era. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is definitely the cartoon era. Wow. Oh, just... See, and all the that... wrestlers
0: I know are from a... <clears throat> an era later. It's uh, all the wrestlers yeah. I know are
1: from an era later.
2: But, I mean, yeah. you and... taught... Like... Sorry, Neil. No,
1: no. oh, I was gonna. I was just going to mention really quick the, the feud that he did have with the Ultimate Warrior, which ended in a, quote-unquote, career-ending match, which only lasted, you know, six months, where... <laughs> uh, the Ultimate Warrior beats him, and then Sensational Sherry gets totally pissed off at the Macho Man, starts kicking him in the ring because he lost, and because she lost her meal ticket. And out of the crowd comes Miss Elizabeth, who had been separated from the Macho Man for a couple years. You know, out of nowhere, she hops in the ring, throws Sensational Sherry out, and then at that point, that's when Macho Man turns face and, you know, hugs Miss Elizabeth. And, and, and then the marriage... Yeah, yeah, and then the marriage happens. But when that happened, like you, they turned the camera to the crowd, and there were women in the crowd crying. I mean, this this is how this is how much this product moved people back then.
2: Yeah, I mean, but no, I mean that yeah, that was a great thing because not necessarily because it was the cartoon era of the 80s, but there was that clear separation between you know wrestling and reality, unlike Raw now. That you yeah. know, if the line blurs, but yeah, no, I remember that where Elizabeth comes out and. And women are crying, and guys are all kind of like, "It's cool," you know.
1: Of course, what we didn't know was that they were already married.
2: Yeah. No, and then you had like the marriage, and then Sherry went on like that was around the same time that The Rockers split, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but that was a year later because there was that year that she was she was with Million Dollar Man.
2: Right, I forgot about that. Yeah.
1: No, I guess see if you look. How do I remember all this? Yeah. What was that?
2: I was just saying, like, the one thing I got made out of the cartoon era, one of my favorite wrestlers, Junkyard yeah. Dog. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loved Junkyard Dog. You cannot not like wrestling. or I mean, you can't like wrestling without loving the Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Because I, who was like, okay, besides like, you know, Macho and Hogan, like, who were some of your guys' favorite wrestlers of that era?
1: Well, I've been mentioning a lot of mine. Uh, the Million Dollar Man, uh, uh, Hogan, Back then, That's he was kind awesome. of yeah. That, Roddy Piper
0: was great. I barely know this era, honestly. It's yeah. uh, no, the, um, the era I know is the next era. It's and I barely know that one too. All I remember is uh, from that era is McMahon being an asshole as a character. Like I remember one time someone in his group lost a match, so he actually pitted the referee against like Triple H or something. Oh God!
2: Yeah. Well, it but, was
0: it was like this it was like this sixty year old man with a beard, you know yeah. wearing a unitard having to wrestle against triple h it was the most ridiculous thing i ever saw yeah yeah well, triple
1: what... h who look who looks like uh thor did the fusion dance with uh with uh lemmy from motorhead
2: <laughs> yeah. no i he I, does no he does i am not disagreeing, yeah. i just never really thought of that analogy. but, but was before.
1: it triple h that yeah.
2: that
0: that happened to where they were they basically you know where McMahon made the ref have to wrestle or something?
1: I don't remember. I swear this I happened. Remember. I just don't know the details. It it may have.
2: Yeah, and the That's one the wrestler you got to mention out of the eighties, come on, Bret Hart.
1: Oh yeah. Well, uh, Bret. Well, yeah, wait. Bret Hart had this had this like great match with Mister Perfect in nineteen ninety one, and that pretty much set him on like the road to to awesomeness. And then he fought Ric Flair and uh, JT. What city did did Bret Hart win the title from Ric Flair in? Oh, I can't remember. Oh my god, you're fired! What? He won. Bret Hart won the world title from Ric Flair in Saskatoon. What? <laughs> yes.
2: You're shitting me.
1: <laughs> I'm serious.
2: <laughs> oh my god, I failed as a nerd. Well, talk about Ric Flair. I didn't. Did, I, did, I didn't know he ever came to They ever came to Saskatoon, man.
1: Yep. Well, they had to well, go for
0: the, They had to go to that restaurant afterwards.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, get back to Bret Hart in a minute, but I want to talk about Ric Flair really quick because um, 1991. You know, at the same time that WWF was doing the whole thing with H- Hogan versus uh, Sgt. Slaughter, in WCW, uh, Ric Flair and Sting had this epic match where for, for the for the NWA title, and Ric Flair won that, and then Ric Flair officially became the first WCW champion, and that was the birth of WCW. And then uh, there was some disagreement, and uh, Ric Flair took his WCW title belt and went to WWF because there was some there was some clause where the champion has to put a deposit on the belt and they wouldn't give the deposit back. So Ric Flair legally uh, owned the belt. So I wake up one morning, I turn on su- WWF superstars, and there's Bobby the Brain Heenan, standing there with the WCW title belt. And I'm like, what planet did I wake up on? This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, because
2: yeah, that was the same time. Anytime uh, Flair was on TV and he had the belt, they had it, did it like blurred out. isn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, they did. But be- but there was a while there where they didn't blur it out. And you could see what belt it was. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And then Bobby Enan says Ric Flair's name. I'm like, oh, my God. Rick Flair in the WWF, because <laughs> I knew who he was, you know, even though I didn't watch NWA, I knew who he was, and I was like, holy shit, this is gonna be like apeshit crazy, because they're gonna put him up against Hulk Hogan, which unfortunately they never did. Yeah, yeah, but when when Rick Flair won the won the Royal Rumble for the title, uh, that that hours worth of television was just classic Bobby Heenan screaming, because there were so many times that Rick Flair was like on his way to losing and and enan would just be like in tears oh god (laughs) but yeah i'm surprised you didn't know about the saskatoon thing i thought you would get that
2: (laughs) no dude i didn't know that honestly it's like the i knew there was in the late 90s they came through a couple of uh came through here for a couple of like house shows and then there was like that long like four or five years where they didn't come through at all because of uh Certain is incident within the company that, you know, we'll talk about later. Mm. So I honestly didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, Bret Hart was like was like the man after Hulk Hogan left because they had a, that steroid scandal in 92 where yeah. Hogan where suddenly had to quote unquote retire. And Bret Hart won the title from Ric Flair. And and he was he the champion for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then, I mean,
2: not just then, but I mean, he was like one of my favorite wrestlers going through the 80s, you know, with the Hart Foundation and him and the Anvil and all that. So he, oh, was, yeah. al- he was always in my mind. It's like, I, I know, because was always getting like the IC title or the tag titles with uh, the Anvil and all that, Jim the Anvil, Neidhart. But yeah, when, when Hogan left, his star just rose and rose and then Montreal happened.
1: Yeah. Well, before Montreal, uh, there was the Dark Day back in '93 when Hulk Hogan came back, and it was right after Bret Hart lost the title to Yokozuna, and out of nowhere comes Hulk Hogan, and he's like, he's like, "This is bullshit, brother," because there was some cheat at the end. And then, for some reason, Yokozuna immediately challenges Hulk Hogan for the title right there, right now, Let's and smoke. of course, and of course, you know, five seconds later, Hulk Hogan's the champion, <laughs> and I was like, bullshit. <laughs> So uh, in fact some someone recently rated that as the worst main event at WrestleMania of all time.
0: <laughs> so let's, let's name some tag team uh, teams that y'all like
1: from this era. Demolition. Yeah, Demolition. Legion of Doom, Art Foundation.
2: The Rockers. Yeah.
1: There were the killer bees.
2: The Mega Powers. Yeah.
1: The nasty boys. <laughs> <laughs> the natural disasters. <laughs>
2: Oh God! <laughs> oh, how did the ring not collapse when they were competing? I don't know. Just refresh uh, the listener's memory of uh, who the natural disasters were, Neil.
1: Well, you had earthquake, who was he? Was originally just the natural disaster, and then they added typhoon later, and they became a tag team. Yeah, and they were like literally billed as half a ton.
2: Oh my God. So they they weighed. Uh, what did they weigh? As much as one and a half big shows, basically.
1: Yeah, they were combined. I think they were like eight hundred pounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up here. Eight hundred and fifty two pounds combined weight. Yeah. And uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the Bushwhackers. Can't forget the Bushwhackers.
1: Bush. Oh yes! Remember the Beverly Brothers? Yeah, smoking ridiculous. Uh, smoking guns oh god
2: was that the smoking that, that was late late in the cartoon era
1: yeah i try not to think about them <laughs> yes
0: yeah. so what was the turning point between the cartoon era and the soap opera era
2: um i'd say where the rockers split oh uh, uh and remember in the late part of the cartooners where you started get the interview segments with like you know the undertaker showed up with paul bearer who Honestly, I'm not kidding. One of my friends growing up, his dad looked like a thin Paul Bear. It was scary. He had the mustache and everything.
1: Wow. Uh, I would put the I would put the end of the cartoon era about halfway through, uh, somewhere in like the '94 '95 era yeah. period. Was, that yeah. was
0: that was that was right exactly when I started picking up on it. That yeah. right at the soap opera era, because I remember the tag team, the Dudley Boys, which who were brothers who don't look like
1: brothers. That was the joke. But 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 Bubba Ray. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And, uh, what's his name who was like a fan of Green Lantern.
1: Uh... Oh God. Um, the 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 Hurricane. Yeah. It, he he well, he, he, well,
2: he didn't show up until like the thousands. No, he hurricane. showed up earlier yeah. than that. No. Yeah, but Shane he Helms, had disguises. Yeah,
0: I remember he always yes. lost. He always showed up with a cape and dressed like Green Lantern. He got his ass whooped every time.
2: Yeah, but that was in the Attitude Era coming up.
1: Yeah, that was...
2: If if he was at a show at all, he was watching. I mean, Shane Helms... I mean, the Hurricane, didn't really start working until like the mid-90s with uh, WCW.
0: I just remember the soap opera because it was literally like All My Children where he had this plotline about McMahon and his wife and his daughter and... And, yeah. and and them trying to like blow each other up and stuff, and he, she's cheating on me, he's cheating on me, and and all this other oh bullshit. You're,
1: yeah, yeah, you're getting into some storylines that I that make me cry.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like the early nineties, like definitely the slide towards the attitude era start. Like like I the said, the soap with, opera
0: like, era. Let's not call it. Attitude.
2: It's it's the attitude era, the soap opera era. You know what we're talking about? Like where they yeah. had like the interview segments where Paul Bearer had like the funeral parlor and.
1: You know, well, that was barber that was Beefcake. that Sorry. was in the very early '90s. The, the yeah. funeral parlor.
2: Yeah, but then you had like Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who was still there. He had the barber shop, and you know they had that that interview with the rockers where Shawn Michaels snap and Sweet Chin's Marty Janetti through the glass of the storefront and rips the magazine half. The next thing you know, he's like you know Sexy Boy with uh, Scary Sherry there. Oh, Sexy Boy <laughs> was was that really a wrestler? Do you remember? That was like the whole thing where he was the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, and Yeah, and his,
1: his theme. Pants. His theme song was "Sexy Boy." I remember that. I think he's cute. He's so sexy. He's got the
4: look. this drives the girls wild. Got the. Look.
2: The original version was sung by Sherry,
1: and it was terrible.
2: Oh god, your ears bleed. But yeah, that's where he started doing the slime. That's where you, not long after Sean went to have, became the heartbreak kid. We got like, we got the we got the bad guy, Razor Ramon
1: Yeah, um, now now you're getting into where the where the uh, the cartoon era starts to because when the click starts showing up. That's when the yeah. cartoons started,
0: and that's when that's when they had all the storylines with the soap opera, yeah. and the, yeah. you know, Kurt Angle shows up. And at first, well, that was the All American Hero, and then he, and then he turned heel. Uh, that's,
2: that's w- right.
1: we'll get into that second half of the show. Okay, yeah, we're we're getting we're wrapping up the the cartoon era, but. Uh, uh, let's see who else. Did we want and to we talk call about? it the cartoon uh,
0: era because th- really the writing and, and the and the goofiness of the early wrestling is like watching a, like an adult cartoon. It's like it really was.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, again, like it was like a live. Like I said this before, wrestling back in the day was like a living, breathing comic book. I mean, like I said, you look at how Macho is dressed with all the colors. You just look at the uniforms and everything that these guys come out in, and it is like a like it's like a live action comic. I mean. You get guys like one man gang, you know, uh what's his name? What was the Kamala? You know Oh that?
1: god, the the Ugandan giant Kamala. Yeah,
2: yeah. Had like that, they had uh you know the Papa Shango who eventually oh, switched god. eventually switched careers and became a facilitator of uh, adult entertainment.
1: That's right. He's he's the he's the, also the godfather. Yeah. And remember, he was uh, he was an ultimate fighting machine for a little while too. He was Kama. Yeah. Uh,
2: and we were introduced to such stellar wrestlers as the Mounty. Big Boss, man. Ugh,
1: the Mounty. Oh, I remember the match between the between the Mountie and the Big Boss man. Yeah, the yeah. Jailhouse match. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was the one where where they threw Mounty in jail, and they kept going back to him throughout the night. And at one point, he's like, "Get me out of here! Get me out of here!" And this guy in like decked out in leather like walks up to him, and he's like. It's like, don't you like the way Leather feels against your body? Oh, and no. Like, <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then Bounty's like,
2: oh, my God, get me out of here. <laughs> and and also, the the end of the uh, cartoon era, we are introduced to a very young, somewhat smaller, uh, Paul Levesque, who oh. er- everyone else would know as Hunter Hearst Hel- Hunt Yeah, well, yeah, Terror Rising. Then he was, you know, the Connecticut blue blood Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Oh, you know? yeah. When he was playing like just he would he would come out in like the Lord Falteroy costume and he's acting all prim and proper and snobbish and whatnot and
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah man, like I had... said, as soon as the clicks start showing up, the cartoon era ends. But I'll tell you where the cartoon era end, ended for me and where wrestling almost ended for me, and then we'll we'll cut to a break. Uh it was it was WrestleMania twelve and it was Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. And the thing is, I loved Bret Hart but I hated Shawn Michaels and I knew Shawn Michaels was going to win that. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm I'm not really invested in wrestling anymore. I'm just going to watch my guy lose. And then I'm going to, I'm going to break free. I'm not going to watch wrestling anymore. You're going to walk away sadly, but it'll be, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away sadly and it'll be done. and I'll never watch it again. And then like two months later, two or three months later, I turn on WCW by accident and there's Hulk Hogan cutting a heel promo. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) And, that's what it sucked me right back in again.
2: Yeah, cuz 12 wasn't that the one where Shawn Michaels came down on the zip line?
1: Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing that was like honestly, up until this point all I ever got to watch was wrestling. Like I knew about the pay-per-views, but we only had like real we had like regular TV. We didn't have cable, we didn't have satellite, so you couldn't get a pay-per-view. I literally first first WrestleMania I ever watched, WrestleMania 6. The second that I ever watched, WrestleMania 12.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a jump. <laughs> oh,
2: jinx. Well,
0: the funny thing is we talk about the, you know, after the cartoon era, there was one cartoon character left after the cartoon era. Who's that? Mick Foley was a cartoon character. Oh my god, yeah, he was. <laughs>
2: you mean uh Cactus Jack? I mean, mankind. Those I are mean, they were
0: know? all cartoon characters.
2: The, well, they're individuals. So, I mean, you never saw them together in the same room at the same time. It's, <laughs> Come on, I mean, they they weren't one guy.
1: Well, I don't remember know. remember the Royal Rumble where all three of them were entered.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. But, but oh. you
0: gotta admit he was a cartoon character in a world of he soap was. opera.
2: That's uh, that honestly, he's if you make like let's say a top ten list of wrestlers that I want to go and have like a beer with or something, like just hang out and have a beer, or a cup of coffee. Mick Foley's like number one <laughs> for me. Because, I mean, he's been everywhere. He's done everything. He's lost like 10% of his body mass, not counting the blood and the tax and the. Like, this dude, I, I swear, if there's an example of like superhuman healing in the world, it fully totally <laughs> has not Because for the, all the punishment that, it, like, and he hasn't like snapped and done something irrevocably bad, like, how is this man still walking upright without like. A bionic suit you know never he's mind a human Hulk. daffy duck exactly yeah i mean you would think like you've seen the backyard wrestling the awa nwa wc everything this man has ever done ecw how does he not have like an entire you know talk about austin with the bionic bionic knee braces he should have like this like whole like exoskeleton holding him up he's more
1: machine than man now yes twisted the <laughs> we- end
2: yeah, we we can rebuild him. We have the technology. He's like, nah, I'm good. Just give me a glue gun. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's him and then there's Sabu. Like those guys should be like dead three times over. But all they need is like some super glue, and they're back in the match. <laughs> see, see, I the,
0: the biggest shame I think is Mick Foley came into the wrong era. If if Mick Foley was around like five or ten years earlier, it would he would fit much more and better in the cartoon era. Oh, God. versus Maybe. the only cartoon character in, in the soap opera era. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and with that, we'll take a break. This is Gorilla Monsoon. And your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello again and welcome everybody once again to Primetime Wrestling. You're not the host, Bobby. I way. am the host. You were the co-host this week. I told you I had a surprise <laughs> last week. You got a strong union it. or something? What you're is it. it with you? you I gotta, this is the union? surprise? I can prove I'm the host of the show. Go ahead, prove it. Okay, if they have a director back there, one of those guys that dropped the We have a scroll. director, yes. Okay, could he run that? Wait a minute. This is Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. My yeah. name is supposed to be up there. Does it say weasel there No, it, anywhere? it doesn't say weasel. It doesn't say he. It doesn't say nothing. Why can't they put my name? My, there's some conspiracy out here. Everybody's jealous of me. Are you scared I'm going to take over USA television? You're just, Are just you scared I'm, You're I'm not. You're I am the host of this show. You're the co-host. I'm gonna get back there on a break here and oh, shake those directors awesome. up a little bit. Plenty of action as always here this I'm week on his Uh we're gonna take a look at Mr. Morocco in action and of course our feature Big John Studd, your man, the man who can't be slammed against probably the man who can slam him. I'm Man's, aware of all that. Being the host, I'm up on these things. Who's his opponent? Ted Arsidi. World's world strongest, strongest, strongest man. Strongest man, not okay. shortest, strongest. He's close, close. <laughs> close. The guy can do 250 sit-ups underneath a Chevy. <laughs>
4: time. You're not even sure how you think. Of course not. By the way, Tuesday night from Las Vegas to season Palace on USA Network at 9 p.m. I'm having a victory party. I'd like to invite you. Can you make it? Tuesday night I can't make it. But maybe Kathy Lee might want to come. Sorry, we're full. Oh. He is ready. He is arrogant. He's cocky. He's got sensational sharing. That's my pinup, girl. He's She's got to have the goal down the way. I, I think you should see your oculist. Nothing wrong with my feet. She is in love with that oh, man. I I yeah, but it's the feeling mutual. Oh, do you think? She's there? And she? He doesn't allow any bi- uh, woman to be there. Pinball? Did no, you I say, didn't say? I caught. I thought you said pinball. No, I said clearing my throat. I'm excited. This is a WrestleMania. Who do you think does her makeup? Helen Keller? <laughs> did Santana punch Sherry? He did. She did. You <laughs> says he he got hit in here, kiss him. Oh, his police. Don't stop. kissing. kiss him. It's early. Don't start. Please ask the question. A broadcast journalist. I have that right. Oh. Well, it won't be Tito. I'll guarantee that. And if you were to call Tito, I don't could understand what he says anyway. Can't speak English, you know. You know that, Monsoon? He does too speak English. Well, not well enough for you to understand. It. Now, he should be ha- have to break the hole. The man was in the ropes. He pulled him off the ropes. Just hopped him back inside. Oh, you make your own. You. You never tell the truth, Monsoon. Well, you're upset today, Brain. You got you got heavy things on your mind. I can tell. You're worried about a lot of things. Well, it's WrestleMania. I'm excited. I'm a broadcast journalist. Well, highly unlikely that you're going to pin anybody with a side headlock. In all my years, I've never seen anyone pin with a side headlock. I've pinned a, a few people with it. You? Yes. Where, in your dreams? I can beat you. I can beat a man a million different ways. I had a guy give up one time during instruction. Will you stop? Have they ever met before in a ring? I don't know that. You don't know a lot of things for a broadcast journalist. I didn't care to find out. How do you like that, Mr. Know-It-All? Do you have a banana to peel or something? No. Eye-to-eye, nose-to-nose. Are they saying anything? Nope, no, they're just staring at each other. Just looking. Two ugly people looking at each other. That's fun. I remember when I was champion, Monsoon. Champion of what? My neighborhood. Oh. I had the prettiest date in the whole block that month. Oh, you should have seen her. The only gold you ever had was in your teeth. Pretty gold in my teeth. They have Japanese. He may have dislocated his clavicle. Or he's gold-bricking. He is Did you ever say hello to Tatanka? Yes. Did you do it properly? Yes. You said, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? doesn't do that. I'm a broadcast journalist. You're a liar! I'm a financial guy. You're a liar! And I'm going to sit here and do my job like the gentleman I am. You're a liar! And if you don't like it, you can get out of here and you can get your phone in your headset and you know what you can do with it. You're not gonna get me upset. You're all upset You that right now? You're not gonna get me upset. Don't jump. It's a long way down. Put him up. Put huh. oh, oh boy, the brain has really lost it, folks. Watch it. I'll tell you, there's nothing like WrestleMania, yeah. or Monsoon? Absolutely not. We agreed on something. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're in trouble. Getting out of here. Hi everybody, Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Before we start with tonight's Action Brain, there's something we both, but particularly you, have to say about our longtime
3: friend, Gorilla Monsoon. A gorilla will be sadly missed. He was one big tough man, he was a decent, honest man, and we're all going to miss him very much. And you know the pearly gates in heaven? Yeah. It's now going to be called the gorilla position. Goodbye, my friend. Very well said, Bobby the Brain heat and he is going to be sorely missed.
2: Grab your helmets because it's time to assemble Mask. Coming April 10th, 2012, the GeekCast Radio Network launches Masked Mayhem with your hosts Optimus Solo and TFG and Mike. This podcast, covering all 75 episodes of Mask, will feature in depth analysis of every episode, talk on the toys, and more. Mask Mayhem will run 30 podcast episodes. You can find us in iTunes and on www.geekcastradio.com. Get your spectrums ready, as podcasting is the ultimate weapon.
1: Back with hour number two of Wrestling Aficionados. In honor of the Monday Night Wars, which we're about to talk about, I suppose we should use some uh, some pyrotechnics.
2: And some dancing girls.
1: Oh yeah, the nitro girls. Oh my god. Okay, so this is gonna be mostly where we're gonna talk about WCW, but we're also gonna talk about the attitude era and stuff like
2: that here. Well, I gotta I gotta for one thing. I think we should talk about the Montreal Screwjob. Because that that was when the Attitude Era hit, I think, for me.
1: Well, I want to talk about the NWO era first. That was before that.
2: Okay, no, I just
1: wasn't sure. all right. So anyway, uh, the rise of WCW. uh, Basically, uh, Ric Flair, coming off his WWF career that only lasts like a year and a half, comes back and uh, declares that he's going to win the title that he never lost. But he's got this ninety-day uh, no-compete clause, so they put him in like an interview segment called "Where for the Gold," <laughs> and it's just him, you know, talking to other wrestlers. It was really boring. And then at the end of that, you know, when the when the no-compete clause was uh, wrapped up, uh, he reformed the Horsemen, and and the Horsemen originally were him, uh, uh, Arn Anderson, Oli Anderson, and what uh, was <coughs> uh, the other guy. Tully Blanchard? Tully Blanchard, yeah. Yeah, people would have, like, sent me hate mail for not remembering that. But this time, they, they didn't have one of them, so they brought in, like, some jobber, uh, uh what's his name? The uh, guy from WWF, uh, God damn it! he was in Power and Glory. Paul Roma. Yeah, people, people saw this guy, and they were, they're gonna make this guy a horseman? Yeah. And,
2: uh... Yeah, the original was Flair, Arn, and Oli, and Tully, and they had J.J. Dillon as their manager... I oh my god! That. Okay,
1: and do you remember what they did with the with the with the NWA belt? Because no,
2: I, I I'm just kind of running off information my roommate gave me. He's the wrestling expert.
1: Because because WCW broke off from NWA, mm-hmm. so but they still had the physical belt because that company WCW owned that belt, but they couldn't call it the NWA title anymore, so they just called it the big gold belt for a while. <laughs> <laughs> And then eventually they called it the international title and then uh at one point they merged it with the with the normal WCW title. And uh and then a week after that Hulk Hogan came in.
2: <laughs> that was like that big satellite dish size belt that they had, right?
1: Yeah, it's the giant in fact it's the same belt that they're using in WWF right or WWE right now oh, okay. for the uh, the world title.
2: I didn't know that was the same thing.
1: Well, it's not it's not the same physical belt, but it's the oh, same okay. design.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so Hulk Hogan once again arrives in a company, and one week later he's the champion. Hmm,
2: it's not like he has uh, ulterior motives, I should say. But no, WCW, you know what the one thing I remember about WCW, what got me into WCW was like, I think they had a WCW Superstars. It was like the Saturday show, it was like, the. it's like, uh, wwe experience or whatever wwe heat like the little wrestling shows they used to have on tv for wwf and they had like wcw like the sat like superstars on saturday i remember when the first matches i saw was it was like a really young eddie guerrero versus uh i used his name was like iceberg or glacier you know the guy that came out the he looked like Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat because he had, like, that mask in the shoulder with the fake blue ice, you know, stalactite growing off of it. <laughs> and, and he kind of looked like, uh, what's his name, the wrestler, uh, Lance Storm. He kind of looked like Lance Storm, like he had, like, that jarhead look to him. I remember that was, like, the first WCW match I ever saw. I was like, because he, he had all this goofy shit, he comes out of, like, the big fake-looking Star Trek, you know, sliding doors and shit. God, I remember. That, see, that's why I started. That's where I kind of got off of WWF for a couple of years. Because I was just getting bored with it. And then there are these guys who are like, they're colorful. And they're, it's kind of going. Because WCW hadn't quite broken away from the comic era. So they mm. still had all these characters and stuff. Like, I love that era, man.
1: Well, Glacier is funny because they had a bunch of guys. They, put, they threw them into a feud with, like, a couple of the guys, like uh, Wrath and Mortis. And they brought in some other guy called. Ernest the Cat and Miller who teamed up with Glacier, oh, and the funny thing is that all these guys were, were put in there to build up Glacier, and all three of them ended up being stars, and Glacier was just kind of left behind. Yeah, he, the
2: jo- the the man who was the job became the jobber.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's kind of that's kind of the way WCW worked. There was no, they were clearly not as organized as WWF. Yeah, and uh, well, because sorry. Well, they, I was going to say they, they definitely kicked their asses for a while because cause, uh, around this time they brought in WCW Monday Nitro.
2: Yeah, and then the, the Monday Night Wars. But the one thing before you to get into Monday Night Wars, i got to remember it's uh, something my roommate told me once, and I, I read about this years later, is how where like they had like Ted Turner. When did he buy WCW? Because he didn't own it right away.
1: Sometime in the late 80s.
2: Yeah. I remember yeah. this uh, the story goes that uh, Vince gets this call from Ted one day because he's gonna make the big push to, you know put WCW out there on TV and all that yeah. and the toys and the video games and all that stuff. He's like, "Hey Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Oh, well, that's great. I'm in the entertainment business. click
1: and the funny thing about that is that was right after the the Black Saturday incident where uh, uh, on on the Turner network there was there was a wrestling show before WCW and at one point uh Vince McMahon made a deal with uh with Ted Turner to put WWF on Turner Networks and all the southern wrestling fans threw a shit fit when that happens cuz th- they went from seeing like uh, uh Rick Flair and Sting doing five star matches to seeing i don't know like uh Big John Studd just completely creaming some jobber yeah <laughs> they're like what the fuck is this yeah <laughs> and after that uh Turner basically buys out uh uh can't remember the name of this family that owned that owned uh the company that would be WCW. Uh the Crockett's. He bought out the Crockett's and basically made this made WCW this which was still a territory of NWA at the time.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. I and I remember but you know, to talk about like how you get into the Monday night wars, you know, 'cause like it was like a great time. Like literally my dad hated me on Mondays growing up in high school because he, my mom, God bless her. She would actually like, she knew I loved watching wrestling. She knew I loved comic books, cartoons, all this. She would actually remember storylines from week to week. She's sitting there working on a cross stitch. Oh, and so what's stone cold doing to the rock tonight? You know, she would actually remember this stuff. And she, <laughs> well, she, she, that, she got, she got used
0: to general hospital.
2: This is just another general hospital. Yeah, but this is what I'm getting at. It's like, she would put up with this. My dad, I can't believe you're watching that wrestling. I would watch five hours of wrestling on Monday nights, because I could watch the first run of Raw on USA, and then wait like an hour and a half, two hours, and watch the three hours of Monday Nitro.
1: That's right, because Nitro repeated.
2: Yeah, and on TNT. And well, my teachers also weren't big fan, they didn't know exactly why I never had my homework done on Tuesday, because... I was watching wrestling all freaking night. Man.
1: You'd think it would be obvious because that was a big ratings draw back then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone was watching that. So, so
0: JT, as a big fan, what is uh, book three, verse 16?
2: I just whooped your ass. What? God, I can't remember. I know.
1: Oh, book God. Three, I know. That's, I remember. That's, that's the that's Austin the, thing. Uh, yeah. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just I couldn't because I remember that where he wins King of the Ring and he goes up and he drops that and launches. You see, I for years I saw bumper stickers,
0: posters, billboards, T-shirts that just says Austin three
2: sixteen. Yeah, and launches like a decade of merchandising because I mean everybody all of a sudden had because really what one of the biggest things the Attitude Era brought us was catchphrases. I mean, as much as they were there in the cartoon. Like, that's where promos became almost more important than the matches. You get so Can much more. Can you smell
0: money.
2: what? The rock the is good. Is... Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. And, and the, the greatest man on the mic in the lat ever, you know, Dwayne yeah. Johnson, formerly Rocky Maivia. Yeah,
1: who was not very good as Rocky Maivia, <laughs> yeah. as I recall. In fact, that there were Rocky guy. Die chants.
2: Now there was that. I mean, this is also a man who uh, played like half a season for the B team of the Calgary Stampeders in the Canadian Football League. And I love the fact that he's half Canadian. Really? Really. Yeah, so man, Rocky Johnson's from Ontario. Oh, wow. I'm and not... he's my cousin. What? Here's the thing. You're... My mom. You're, you're shitting no. with us now. Uh, no, 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 no. This is the thing. I mean, the... look, I knew you wanted to be famous, but this is a. No, I, I'm not. I'm not saying this to make fun. This is an honest fact. My, I am through marriage related to the Rock. You the, are not. Yes, I am. <laughs> I will explain to you how this happens. Are you your own grandpa too? No. You know, I'll explain to you, Ben. I mean, stop calling bullshit until you know. All right, okay. just let you meet chance. Okay. In the midst of my love of wrestling in mid-high school. My mom says, you know, you related to The Rock this one night. I, was, I looked at her the way you're looking at your computers. I was like, bullshit. And she Did you raise me, one eyebrow? I raised both of them, and I pointed and I said, bullshit, Mom. No. her, My mom's second cousin, Karen, who lives in BC, is married to a full-blooded Samoan immigrant from Hawaii named Mamoy. Mamoy is third cousins to Junior Fatu is also known as rikishi
1: yes yeah
2: who is second cousin to who the rock that
0: is so not related <laughs> i am your
2: brother i am your father's brother's former roommate dude well dude it's actually it's actually by blood now because they had karen and Mamoy have a young daughter named saraya I, I am technically related to the rock I'll never meet him at a family reunion or ever but I am technically related to the rock
0: I'm still I'm still calling the father's brother's former roommate here
1: uh, well
2: it is but I'm still related to him Ben aha
1: okay. Ben like
2: trapping himself right now
1: <laughs> okay well let's I I, I want to go through some of the stuff that's on Nitro, and then we'll we'll go right into the uh, the Montreal Screwjob because it is all kind of related in some weird, yeah, twisted yeah. way. But uh, anyway, what what made Nitro so good was that uh, for the first time we were getting like uh, luchadors and Japanese wrestlers on on TV, and that became the cruiserweight division, and that was crazy because uh, we'd never seen wrestling like that before, where these guys are just, like, diving in and out of the ring and doing all these crazy moves. And it's like, oh, my God, we've been watching these these steroid monsters for, like, five or six years. And look at these guys. You know, they're, like, 100 pounds and just beating the shit out of each other. And, my God, well, these you, guys are great.
2: It's literally, like, watching, like, a cartoon character ricochet around a room with the, you guys, like, Ray and Eddie and Parka.
0: Yeah, but you yeah. bring up you bring up the luchadors that bring that brought up an unfortunate thing in the animation world the love of the luchador. Oh, oh God!
2: You mean like Los luchadores?
0: Uh, Mucha lucha.
1: I didn't want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> um, uh, there was also there was a Santo cartoon. Oh,
1: God. Really?
0: It was done in Flash, so it was shit. But yes. Wow. <laughs> We should get Pablo. We should get Pablo talk to you about Santo sometime. Pablo was a huge Santo fan.
2: Yeah, no, I just oh remember, I I love watching all the guy, all the all the luchadores back in the day. I remember it was like the huge thing, like where Ray uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. lost his mask in a match versus Big Sexy Kevin Nash. Oh you
1: know, yeah. He
2: runs away with uh, you know covering his face, and then like a couple weeks later. He comes out and it's, he's still Ray Mysterio, but he's just doing it, you know, sans the mask. But because of that, to this day, he is not allowed to compete in Mexico.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, it, it's like, it's It's, it's not the like code hot, of the luchador. Yeah, basically. He broke the code, so he's, he can go and visit family and everything, but he can, he's not like, he competes with a mask in Mexico, and there's somebody sharpening a machete outside the door
0: yeah see oh see, God. they won't stop the illegal drug and gun trafficking, but you you compete you compete as a luchador after losing your mask they they get serious
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's why. All, they, they, they aren't there for
0: all the other stuff, but you know if you're a luchador and you lose your mask, oh they' they're knocking on your door there
2: well, I know I mean like wrestling in certain parts of Mexico is like unto church. Like, it's a holy thing for the people down there.
0: I saw that Jack Black movie. Oh, my God. We're
2: not talking about that, man.
0: You said that you said wrestling is like a church. There was a movie Jack Black was in where...
2: Yeah, I you know, know buy- that Ben, uh-huh. that's a horrible movie.
0: He <laughs>
1: combined the two, so... Yeah.
2: But, yeah, no, I mean, you, you got the luchadors, you got all the, the Asian wrestlers, and...
1: You had Chris they, Jericho. Oh,
2: the Ayatollah of rock and rolla. <laughs>
1: He was and, great in WCW, and they and, did nothing with him.
2: Yeah, I mean, okay, first of all, second greatest man on the mic after The Rock. I think that would be fair. If, if the, he's not on equal footing with The Rock, he's number two. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. It's, and it's, I th- The reason why he was so great in WCW, because he was just trying so hard to, like, climb up the ladder, and they just didn't want to do anything with him. Well, yeah, and then like, after a while, he was just like, screw this, I'm going to WWF.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, it was, I think it was around the time like when he like he was going on and it, it it's you know Eric Bischoff was like the big player behind the scenes and in front of the camera after a while with WCW you know cuz he was he was the president he was in charge and you know controversy creates cash and all that stuff he didn't i don't think he really had anything to do with Jericho leaving WCW when and how he did that was Vince yeah. Russo's idea cuz i mean Russo if you look up anything on Vince, McMahon, this guy should have Uber douche tattooed across his face.
1: Oh yeah,
2: he's <laughs> he, he is the guy that brought about. I'm not kidding when I say I think he is the guy that brought about the end of WCW.
1: Well, he's the guy who put the belt on uh, David Arcat. Oh gosh. my, my point exactly.
2: I mean, we'll get to that of it, but no, like, I love Jericho. Uh, what was his name? Rufus, like that?
1: Uh, oh my God! Yeah, his,
2: his, his valet. Because that was the yeah. great thing, Jericho. He was playing like when he was in WCW, he was playing it straight, and and he played the way he played is he was just, like doing that 100. percent I believe this. This is me. You know, he didn't see the comedy inherent in everything he said and did while he was in WCW. And then you got this slack jawed yokel who's his security.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, that was that was a parody of uh, what was going on with Goldberg because Goldberg had security that always accompanied to the ring. You know, you'd have like these these like legitimate looking uh, security guards, and then you you have Jericho who just has this fat, overweight guy who looks like he lives in a trailer. And I, what I loved about it is when he Jericho would be walking to the ring, and some fan would reach out from the crowd, and Jericho would just point at him, and then Rufus would just like would just like get the stern look on his face and wag his finger at the fan, and that's all he yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> it was great.
2: <sighs> yeah. And, I mean, when, one of the biggest feuds he ever had, like, and I think this helped, like, when he did wrestle him, like, he had this feud with Dean Malenko.
1: Yes, that's what I was going to bring up.
2: You know, which was great, because, I mean, Malenko is, like, the legit, you know, man of a thousand holds. So, if there's some guy you want to feud with and work with, you want to work with this guy.
1: And do you remember Chris Jericho's... uh Calling himself the the man of a thousand and four holds. Yeah, and he brought up this this long ring rea- ream of paper that had all his moves on it. And okay, back then uh, they they would did the, they would do this thing where they'd cut to a commercial, and then they'd come back for like a couple seconds, and then go back to a commercial. Well, they timed this so that Jericho comes out and he starts reading off this paper, and they cut to a commercial, and then they cut back for that for that like ten second spot where they're just you know saying hang in there. Only instead they're like, oh my god, is he still at it? Cut to another commercial. <laughs> and I think I think every other hold is like armbar.
2: Yeah. It's armbar this, armbar that. Like most of them were just plain made up. <laughs> but I mean, he made like WCW, he made WCW fun. Like, you know, yeah. it, it was like that last lingering trace of the cartoon era. Yeah.
1: But no. Oh. One of my favorite things about, about Jericho's feud with Dean Malenko is that Jericho would keep finding all these loopholes in the rules that he could keep winning the, the cruiserweight belt back. And at one point, he, he, uh, Malenko had gotten the belt through some you know, questionable means, and uh, Jericho talked him into putting the belt up, basically suspending his, his, uh, his reign as champion in a match where both of them could compete, and, uh, and whoever wins is officially the champion. Well, Malenko gets counted out, <laughs> and of course Jericho wins the belt, and you know, Jer- and then uh, Malenko just stands there realizing that he got screwed. Yeah. And then this other time, th- this other time, uh, Jericho loses the belt and loses his chance to get a rematch, and he's like, I- "I'm going to find the loophole that's going to give me my belt back," and and he goes to the Library of, Cong- of Congress, <laughs> yeah. and he's like searching through book after book. And then finally, at one point, he's like, "Aha!" and he points at the page. And then he comes back and he's like, "Look, I get my rematch." And he's and and WCW's like, "Shit!" And they give him his rematch.
2: I don't I don't remember exactly what happened. Wasn't there like he was claiming conspiracy one time when he lost the belt,
1: something like that? There were all he, these rules that he would exploit to get the belt back.
2: Yeah, yeah, because I remember watching one where he, he accused uh, then President Bill Clinton of being involved. And but he's he walking was. around, yeah, yeah, not with a conspiracy, as far as we know. And he's walking around with like a picket sign that said "conspiracy victim." And oh man, no, that's one of the things, Like I said, it was so goofy, but it was fun, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, but then you got you got to bring up guys like Cruiserweight. Like that's the one thing that's missing from wrestling nowadays. Like you're you're either half of Batista or you just get slapped around the ring and you do a couple of like 450 splashes. Like they don't have, they need a cruiserweight back. Like they need to build that up again, in my opinion. But you know who one of my favorite wrestlers was in WCW at this time? Who?
1: Who? Eddie. Eddie Guerrero. Oh yeah. Everybody
2: loves Eddie Guerrero, man. Like, and I'm not just talking the way he was like the end, you know, at the end of his life in WWE. I mean, he's, he was this guy, he always had, he always had that charisma, that persona, you know, that that magnetic quality that, even back then, like, you remember, like, in the early 90s when WCW was getting on TV, and he was skinny back then. He wasn't buff the way he was when he died, but yeah. he just him, Like, he, he, again, he was kind of, he was of that same school as Dean Malenko. Like, he grew up in Mexico in the Guerrero wrestling, kind like, all of these guys. Like, you know, he's the cousin or uncle to Rey Mysterio Jr. He's, like, the nephew of the original Rey Mysterio. Like, He's kind of like the from the wrestling dynasty. This is a guy he was a wrestler's wrestler, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just the way he played it in the ring, like all these moves always I just don't know how to describe him, you know not correctly, but that you get it. you know well, one thing He's I remember one,
0: one thing guy. I remember that was a big deal was there was this match of the century where it was a pay per view event that i I didn't pay to watch because I would never pay to watch wrestling. It was Hulk Hogan versus the Rock,
1: oh my God, that was that was a fiasco, but that that's actually one of the most famous matches of all time now. I
0: heard a sigh from j t
2: no, I was just like, oh yeah, Because like, that is one of my favorite matches of all time. I mean, that was like the Hulk of his era and the Hulk of the modern era, yeah,
0: but the but, rock, but the Hulk was a little old he his face his yeah. face looked like uh, you know, I've I've seen bicycle seats that had less wrinkles.
1: Yeah, I think I could hear his <laughs> his fake hip squeaking all the way to the ring. <laughs> you
0: know, this this was right before Hogan knows best.
1: Oh my god. So And that was the heel Hulk Hogan too. That was Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Who was the leader of the NWO, which is which was also WCW's big uh it was their biggest strength and also their biggest weakness because Basically, this one group took over WCW for I don't know two or three years. Yeah, and it was really it was really awesome at first because they they screwed over the Horsemen. They destroyed the Horsemen in this in the this famous cage match for uh, Kurt Henning It wasn't Hell in the Cell because they didn't they don't have the trademark for that. Oh, okay. But uh, where Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, turned on the Horsemen. And slammed. They slammed Ric Flair's head in the door. And uh, it, it, what was what was significant about that is because that was the sort of shenanigans that the Horsemen would always pull. And now the NWO was doing it to the Horsemen. And they brought in all these WWF guys. They brought in uh, Razor Ramone, who became Scott Hall. Well, he was Scott Hall. That's his name. Yeah. And then Diesel, who is Kevin Nash, and the One Two Three Kid. He became Six. And Ted DiBiase came in. And then they had. Uh, giant who we know is uh, the big show and he was basically their version of Andre and they they basically built it up to look like WWF was invading WCW in fact they kind of heavily implied that at first and then WWF uh, you know gave them a little legal slap on the wrist and said no no <laughs> but uh, yeah the thing is that this storyline went on for so long that eventually they started getting like uh, they, they they eventually evolved into like a a face faction of the NWO called the Wolf Pack. And then there was the, I hated the Wolf Pack, by the way. <laughs> and then uh, they had they had the, the LWO, which was the Latino World Order. And eventually they got rid of the NWO, but they immediately brought it back a couple of months later. And it was just ridiculous. They could not get one, rid of one of the this stupid faction, And everyone just wanted them to move on and make new storylines, and they just kept going yeah. back to the NWO. And that, that's one, one of the things that really killed them.
0: What was the most ridiculous storyline from the soap opera era that you can remember? Uh, well, Vince McMahon.
2: Uh, uh, are you talking WCW or WWE?
0: Well, the McMahon era, because what I remember is one where McMahon gets his wife killed, his uh, his daughter, his daughter gets with Triple H, and they form the, the McMahon faction, which everyone hates. And uh, oh.
1: I think I know what you're talking about. That's yeah. uh, that's the one where uh, no, he didn't. He didn't get his wife killed. He had he had her in like a coma or something. Yeah, she was in. She was in like. A, she had a nervous breakdown or something, and she was just. They they had her like hopped up on drugs too, so that yeah, basically she she had no. She she wasn't in control
2: of herself. Basically, yeah,
1: she was she was just like she was just kind of in this daze, sitting in a wheelchair. That that was like that was after the death of WCW that that happened.
0: And I remember there was like a match where, where, uh, where uh, big man had to shave his head or
2: something.
1: Yeah.
2: uh, Donald Trump at WrestleMania a few years ago. (laughs) No, one of the, one of the, it was just the end of it. It's like they had, uh, and this was prior to undertaker taking like half a year off in like the early thousand or in late or early thousands where, you know, he's taught, he's working for this higher power and it's going against like the corporation, which was like, you know, the triple H and Stephanie and, you know, Shane and all those guys. And there's this one part where they kidnap Stephanie and she's on tied to this giant undertaker symbol. and They're going to oh, sacrifice oh. her. And they bring out like the head of this evil conspiracy. And it's Vince. That's where the Mr. McMahon character finally came out. you he was like, you are fired. You know, yeah. that, and it, and but this—it was their stab at NWO with WWE.
1: Yeah, but we're we're just about getting to that because of uh, the the first the first you know inkling of the Mr. McMahon character came from the Montreal job. Okay, and this does this does tie back into WCW. I'm going to go back to WCW just for a little bit, but basically, uh, Bret Hart is putting the title on the line against my favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels, and. Bret Hart was not supposed to lose, but he he lost because Shawn Michaels puts him in a submission hold, Bret Hart's own submission hold, and Bret Hart manages to wiggle out of it, but the referee calls for the bell anyway, and then the referee yeah. like hops out of the ring and runs because he legitimately just screwed Bret Hart, and he runs for a cab and basically doesn't, yeah. he leaves the building. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just, I mean, for those that... This, that uh, sorry, if you go, Neil. The,
1: This was This was also the night that Bret Hart punched Vince McMahon in the jaw because he was so pissed off at him because that that wasn't the deal that they had. And this was yeah, le- Bret Hart's last night in the company.
2: Because he was leaving to for WCW and he didn't want to... Yeah. He didn't want to lose... The, it's not that he didn't want to lose the title. He didn't want to lose the title in his home country. Yeah. So, I mean, Bret won... To
1: Shawn, to Shawn Michaels of all people.
2: Well, yeah. And he still doesn't like him to this day. But, I mean, he had... You know, he won legitimately... And then Vince came out and made the ref restart the match, and that—that's when when he puts the sharpshooter on Brett. and you know, once you see him in the back, like you ever see. want to see a good movie specifically dealing with this is a uh, Hitman Hart wrestling with Shadows, which looks into everything about the screwjob, and you see him like he, hes backstage, he's yelling at like Triple H. You know this was gonna happen, you know, at the time. And, you know, like he spits on McMahon, he decks him, and he leaves the company. And yeah. how does Vince handle this? He starts making fun of Bret Hart with a midget. Yeah. It's like The next night on Raw, you know, Triple H is the ring. It's like, hey, Bret's here. Come on down, Bret. And they bring out like this little midget done up to look like him. And they're basically, you just, Vince basically gets back at Brent initially just by completely making fun of him and trying to humiliate him like this. And it's just like one of the, like that's when I really stopped for a couple of years. Anyhow, I didn't really watch you know WWE, because Bret Hart was like you know one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and I'm kind of like screw you, Mr. McMahon.
1: Well,
0: you know what, McMahon loves
1: midgets. He does, and I don't know why. Because well, we have swaggle.
2: who can talk now.
1: <laughs> oh no! Like
2: yeah, Sheamus so, or so.
0: whatever his name is, the the Irish. No,
2: no, it's it's it's, 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 it's just a normal voice he, because they, they had a, during in December, they had a Mick Foley host one night, but he he's dressed up as Santa, and they have this scene where, you know, it's it looks like Mick Foley in the Santa suit, you know, and like the bellas are sitting on his lap and asking for this, and then, you know, Hornswoggle comes up, and he's like, you know, with his baby talk, and the next thing you know, he's talking proper English, and they turn around, and Santa's gone, and then in from the opposite angle, like stage left, you know, Mick comes back in, and they're like, Hey, where's Santa? And everyone's just kind of like, "But you're Santa, and Hornswoggle can." Oh my God!
1: Remember the 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 raw where Carlito was chasing Hornswoggle, and Hornswoggle <laughs> yeah. painted painted a door on the wall and then ran through that door. <laughs>
0: oh my God!
1: This happened. And then Carlito decided to chase after him, and in wily e. coyote fashion, just basically runs into the wall and knocks. You're him off
2: fucking off. with me now.
1: This happened. <laughs>
2: That's that's not the only that's the only thing they did with Hornswoggle. They had one where he was basically he had a feud with Chavo Guerrero when Chavo was still working on the TV shows. And this one night he's chasing him backstage and he's like searching for him. He opens the door and a can of paint on a string swings down and cracks him in the head. Home and then,
0: alone, yeah.
2: Yeah, and then who, like Big Show walks out the door. And then Macaulay Culkin walks out the door.
1: Oh my god, <laughs> that's horrible! And
2: he he literally stops, and was like you, you, and McCulkin's like what, and he walks away. <laughs> I swear to God, like I love Hornswoggle.
1: I just want to go back to this really quick. Bret Hart in WCW, they they brought him in at the at the the big climax of the Sting versus Hulk Hogan uh, rivalry. And what happened was Sting and Hulk Hogan had their big fight after like a year and a half of buildup. And then for some reason, they had Hulk Hogan pin Sting cleanly, like no, no, no shenanigans at all. He just pinned Sting. And then out comes Bret Hart, who was a referee that night. And he goes, that was a fast count. He restarts the match and he gives the match to Sting. So it was basically a, a total reversal of what happened of the, with the Montreal Screwjob. And I was like, what? And it it was at that point that I realized that WCW sucks. (laughs) And it it started to suck from then on. And then that's when the the WWF monster just took over with uh, Stone Cold and uh, winning the the championship at the very next WrestleMania.
2: Can you tell us about the finger poke of doom, Neil?
1: Oh, my God. The finger poke of doom. This was right after they screwed uh, Goldberg, who was the big star like i said there was there was a babyface version of the nwo called the wolfpack well they decided that having all these nwo factions which is kind of bullshit so they just collapsed it all back together again the the thing was it was nash representing the wolfpack nash is the champion by the way versus hollywood hulk hogan representing the original nwo and they're getting ready to fight the bell rings and hulk hogan he taps nash with his finger nash falls down Hulk Hogan pins him, and then, surprise, surprise, Hulk Hogan's the champion again, and the NWO is reunited, and and it was basically like, screw you, fans. We know you want Goldberg and Bret Hart and all these other guys to be the champion, but no, we're going to give you Hulk Hogan, this broken-down 40-year-old something wrestler who can barely walk and knows about five moves. And every, I remember a lot of people were very pissed about that. A lot of people pointed that as like the the turning point of uh, WCW just going downhill.
2: Yeah, because and also like not necessarily. I wouldn't know if it helped to go downhill, but I mean, one of the big things about the Monday Night Wars was for a while Eric Bischoff because they were, or I think there was like something of a time delay with WWF that Bischoff would get like transcripts of what's going on and he would read on air on Nitro, which was always live. You know, oh, yeah. he would. He would read, you know, the results and what's going. The read play by play of what's going on on Raw that night. Yeah.
1: And Which, you're talking about the night that they announced uh, that Mick Foley was winning the title.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And, <laughs> and stupid Tony Schiavone goes, "Yeah, right. That'll put butts in the seats." And of course, at that exact moment, everyone turned on Raw. Holy. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I'm I'm just looking up on the on the wiki here. It's. like, Fans, if you ever even think about changing a channel to our competition, do not. We understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here at one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Ha, uh, that's going to put butts in the seats. Within minutes, Nielsen, Nielsen ratings show that several hundred thousand viewers switched from Nitro to Raw, which only had about... When he won the title, everyone went back to Nitro, which only had five minutes of air left, and that ended up causing Raw to beat Nitro by 07 Points on the Nielsen ratings that night. I was just like, I remember seeing that. And I, well, I don't know if it affected Canada, affected their ratings. Like, I switched to watch Mick Foley, you know. (laughs) That's, you don't
0: poke the bear. If you don't poke the bear, you poke the bear, the bear's going to chase the channel.
1: Yeah. They poke the bear. Go, Neil. (laughs) Oh, God.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I just remember that being like one of the just honestly seeing that that was one of the stupidest moves i've ever seen my remember my brother going it's like what switching channels <laughs> yeah,
1: but uh, wcw did uh, did tons of stupid things like remember the one they brought in the kiss demon oh my
0: god oh god
2: yes yeah they and, brought, they team.
0: brought in uh, they brought in the singer from kiss no he was well like...
1: they it was a wrestler that was already in wcw they just dressed him up as like uh as, they dressed him up as gene simmons and called him the demon and they debuted him with with KISS being on, on Nitro, singing like the worst rendition of, of God of Thunder I've ever heard. And and as the song is coming to its climax, you know, this, this coffin raises up from the uh from the stage and out comes this wrestler and surprise it's the KISS Demon and then I think he had like one or two matches and they switched to another wrestler. And this yeah. the funny thing is that once they established this guy, they didn't want to do anything with him, so they had him lose a whole lot.
2: Yeah, I remember he was in a he was in a clique with like Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse. Yeah.
1: And the Kiss Demon was was like the ultimate jobber. He he jobbed almost as much as Barry Horowitz.
2: I just remember seeing that guy walking out that day, and I was just kind of like, "You gotta be fucking shitting me!"
1: <laughs> well, wait, it gets worse, because there was also the West Texas Rednecks.
4: Oh, the, and what this
1: was, this was so stupid. I'll tell you why, because it goes. It goes right back to WCW's fan base being all southern wrestling fans. And what they had the West Texas Rednecks, which were the heels, versus the baby faces, which were all like like rappers. Oh, and yeah. when you're in when you're in Louisiana, who do you think they're gonna cheer for? Yeah. The Rednecks. And because it wasn't going the way WCW wanted it to, instead of switching the rednecks to the baby faces, they just canceled the whole thing. Oh. Yeah.
2: Because wasn't, like, the, the, the group, wasn't that, like, the filthy animals with, like, uh, Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio
1: yeah, and Conan? Yeah,
2: you know, I loved Conan, yeah. man. That guy, he earned his paycheck is what I'm saying.
1: That song that they sang was on, like, country and western stations, too. Oh, rap was, is crap? Like, yeah, Rap is crap. That was I, getting major country and western stations.
0: Well, Rap is you know, crap. I like country music. I love country girls I like Billy Nelson and don't forget about Merle There's only one thing that I hate cuz it's a
2: bunch of crap I hate rap Well no, it's just uh, I have the one and only WCW soundtrack that ever came out cause, You know cause oh how WWF used to do like I think they still do it Uh, every couple of years is they do like the soundtrack of like the popular wrestlers themes and all that Uh, and the thing is WCW Mayhem because they were so tied into like cross-media merchandising it would be like one uh, like a couple of sound bites of like stuff going on in the ring like he's got him in the corner he's out you know they had like maybe five or six wrestler themes everything else was like uh, they had like Metallica's uh, Seek and Destroy from like the 90s Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, Woodstock, where they had like uh, some there's some bad Limp Biscuit song on there, and I just remember like one of the second last track is was the West what I think it was the West Texas Redneck, singing that song. And I was like, why is this on here?
1: Because it was hysterical, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things they ever did, and because it didn't go their way, they threw it out. Oh, yeah, and then the Another stupid feud like that was the New Blood, where they decided to, you know, bring in real life drama and make it part of the storyline. Because this is when they brought Vince Russo back, and they decided that all all the uh, all the big wrestlers who you know who play the games in the back and you know always always uh, you know tilt the balance so that they always win. Those guys were going to be all the good guys, and all the all the smaller wrestlers who always wanted to get their chance. They're going to be all be the bad guys. They're going to be called the new blood. And oh, yeah. it was like completely backwards from the way it should have been. It's like all the guys who, who wanted the, their big chance, they should have been the good guys. Because everyone loves and, the underdog. Yeah. And it, it was just so stupid. And this was supposed to be WCW. It, it, it was WCW's relaunch because WCW got so bad that they basically canceled all the storylines and just rebooted the whole company. It was like crisis. Yeah. Yeah, it was like crisis of infinite wrestlers. Oh
2: God, I was joking. Do you remember, do you remember the old the name of the old Click? Like there was the New Blood. Do you remember what they called the old guys?
1: The Millionaires Club.
2: Wasn't that? I thought it was the Old Age Out Old Age Outlaws.
1: That was. Oh my God, I remember what that was. That was. That uh, so was like
2: Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Larry's Biscuit, yeah. Mister Wonderful was in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was okay. just before the reboot
2: yeah and the reboot is when they brought in like that massive like that redesigned WCW logo that had like this, the, the row of TVs that would slide apart as a wrestler came out to the ring
1: yeah that that new WCW logo that they brought out was terrible because you couldn't if you didn't know it was WCW you wouldn't be able to tell what the hell that was yeah like, what the hell is this weird spiky thing that they put on the TV it didn't. It did not look like letters of the alphabet. It just looked like this weird explosion of shit. So I wake up one morning. I log on the internet and I see this logo that is that says WWF buys WCW, and then the next the next Monday night on on Nitro, I see Shane McMahon standing in the Nitro ring. I'm like, wow, this is this is like a holy shit moment, and we're never gonna get a cool moment like this again. Yeah. And we never really did. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because, I mean, the whole, like, I mean, it was part of the storyline folding, you know, the the WCW invasion and all that. And my roommate and I were talking about this every so often we talk about wrestling. What if they had just bought the company and, like, have, like, WrestleMania, make that, like, the one time of the year where they cross over and have, like, some big, like, you know, bragging rights style comedy. That's what I wanted to happen so bad when they bought it. And then it's like they fired half the wrestlers or some guys just didn't like Sting, you know, just didn't like the way McMahon run the company, so he didn't want to come.
1: Yeah, And in about, about six or seven months, they basically ran WCW into the ground, and yeah. then killed it in the storyline. Even before
2: they sold the company, the new radicals showed up on Raw. It was like, uh, you know, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko.
0: Neil, you're going to tried- need to bleep one of those names out.
1: Why? Well, People know what it is. <laughs> you know, a joke. I know. I'm just
2: saying this is like that happened. And then they bought the company. And yeah. I was like, cool. You'll see some of like the old rivalries, you know, like Malenko and Eddie come back, you know, but they just ran that, like talking about WCW, they ran the new radicals into the ground even quicker. I mean, pretty soon Perry Saturn disappeared. And then Malenko just went to start working in the back or he became a jobber for a while before he started working like within the company.
1: That's right, they were all like gone by the time they bought WCW.
2: Yeah, like Eddie and Chris were the only ones left competing.
1: Yeah, and Eddie was out that year for some I think he I think that was the beginning of their of their uh wellness problems with Eddie, because I think they cancelled yeah. his uh his contract for that year. And then yeah. Chris and Wall was just injured. And so none of them around were around for the W C W invasion. Yes. Which was total shit. Because what the W C. W. invasion was was just you know all the all the second all like the second level guys all the B grade wrestlers from WCW, and then Stone Cold and all the all these other A listers from WWF join WCW, and then at the very end they have the big Survivor Series with WWF versus WCW, and half the guys on the WCW side are all WWF wrestlers.
2: Yeah, and then they had the whole thing like uh, Shane was running the WCW and then Stephanie was running.
1: She was running ECW. Yeah,
2: Like yeah. they have all this, these clicks. Like you think they were going to set it up for some like huge, you know, storyline and it just never paid off, which I think if Ben Juan Eddie had been there, it probably would have come off better.
1: Well, what was like, annoying about it was that, uh, you know, as soon as they merged WCW and ECW into one faction, those two names like pretty much disappeared from, from television. Uh, they changed the name to the Alliance. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, this isn't this isn't the rivalry that I wanted to see.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, because you said like a lot of the big names didn't come to WWF or W. Yeah, that's the other thing we got to talk about. It's like when what year was it that they got sued by the World Wildlife Fund, and how in the hell did they lose that?
1: They there that is a long stupid story because. They had been in a deal with with the World Wildlife Fund for years because, uh, basically, over over the trademark of the name, they made a deal early on where the where uh, they could they could keep the name WWF, but they had to limit how many times they used it in a show. And that's why in the old days, whenever they would announce the WWF champion, they would always say World Wrestling Federation champion. They would never say WWF champion, oh. except except in like. Except in like casual situations, but as soon as the Attitude Era hit, that's when uh, that's when uh, the World Wildlife Fund got got you know kind of pissy about it. Alpide and yeah and and I think they lost in like a British court. This would ne- this would have never flown in like a, in an American court. I, I'll tell you that because because
0: recognition. Everyone knows what
1: everyone knows what wrestling is. No one knows what the World Wildlife Fund is. Yeah, and the the British legal system is total horseshit. Where basically, if you have if you have a presence on the internet and it's visible in uh, in Britain and and you're violating and you have some sort of corporate logo that is in violation of their laws, they can sue you. And it's it's hard to explain. The British legal system is really shitty. And yeah, so basically they lost. They lost the the right to use WWF. They lost the scratch logo. Weirdly enough, they did not lose the original WWF logo. They can still show that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and I, I remember I figured out why that was. It was because uh, because like I said, they had formed a deal early on, and part of that deal was the logo. They they had like if they they could just use the logo like forever, but after that deal was made, they changed the logo, and that new logo did not apply to whatever whatever agreement they had, so they always have to blur out the Scratch logo, but not the original WWF logo. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Oh, you should, see, you should see the picture that JT put up.
2: I'm sorry, I had to bring that into the conversation.
0: That's pretty good. I mean,
2: <laughs> Panda with a steel chair. Don't miss with that animal.
1: Yeah, and now... Uh, WWF is uh, destroying a different kind of panda organization, uh, TNA, which is owned by by Panda Energy. <laughs> oh God!
0: <laughs> so here's the oh, question man. for you guys: Ever knew anyone that insisted
1: this was real? No,
2: not one.
1: <laughs> there was a guy I knew in high school. I... Oh my God! I mean, maybe when I was a kid, maybe I knew like one or two people who thought it was real, but no one as an adult. <laughs>
0: I I just have had to ask because I've met people one guy who insisted this
1: is real. What was wrong with him?
0: Oh, lots of things an unsatisfactory home
1: life uh Inability stuff like that to talk to women. <laughs>
2: did
1: did it ever shatter his world when he would see it when he would see a match on TV and then go to see it live and see the same match?
0: He he never
1: could afford to see it live. Oh, uh, cuz I've actually seen that happen where I see a match on TV and then I see it live later.
2: Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you know, it's like growing up. You think it's real.
0: It's like Santa Claus. Yeah. I
2: never thought it was real. Well, as a kid, I'm talking like five, six, seven years old. It's
0: like Slash.
2: Maybe. Yeah.
0: See, you grow (laughs) up thinking Slash was real, but then you realize Slash isn't real.
2: No. I mean, what what popped the bubble for me was... uh, was seeing Macho get bit by uh, Jake the Snake's uh, python named Damien, yeah. and
1: then actually see, that wasn't Damien because remember Damien got squashed by Earthquake. <laughs> what? And you never saw this? Okay, no, back, I never did. Back in the cartoon, back in the cartoon era, uh, there was a feud between Jake the Snake robbers while well, while Jake the Snake was still a face, and and Earthquake tied Jake the Snake up in the ropes. Took the bag with Damien in it and inside the bag they switched the bag so that you know Damien wouldn't get hurt obviously. Yeah. But inside the bag was like a pantyhose full of like hamburger meat. Oh, God. And then and then and then uh, Earthquake does his like his big senton splash on top of the bag. Oh, God. It squishes oh, yeah. it. <laughs> and uh, the guy from WrestleCraft.com talked to Earthquake later and he said he said, Yeah, it didn't feel very good when I landed on it. <laughs>
2: I didn't know that happened. Like I honestly didn't. Yeah. The, like, yeah,
1: the yeah, the snake that bit because uh uh Damien was just like a python. The snake that bit uh uh Jake uh, that bit Macho Man was uh was a cobra. Yeah. And of course it was like defanged, but still
2: Or deglanded, whatever, how the poison yeah. was But yeah, see like it, I didn't know as a kid at that point I didn't know nothing about snakes or poison or the fact that, well, they'd have to take precautions to make sure no one got bit. Because, like, yeah. I mean, he gets bit, and then, like, a week later, he's fighting Jake the Snake. And I was like, okay, it's not real.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Damien was dead by then.
2: Oh, yeah. In the storyline. That line. was, like, natural causes or something, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. No, that... This is a storyline. Like, Damien was yeah, living in,
0: a peaceful, retired life in a yeah. in an aquarium.
1: But in the storyline, Damien was squashed by earthquake.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't so, remember
2: that. But yeah, that's where I like. Where did you then? Like, where did you kind of lose it? It's real.
0: First episode I ever saw.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you just like, you, you just never had that childlike sense of wonder. Well, well,
0: the first episode I saw was in the Attitude Era, where he had where he had uh, Mick Foley as. God, I don't even know who it was. Like he, I think it was Cactus Jake, where he had like barbed wire everywhere and broken glass everywhere, and he's like covered in blood. Like, I figured this is fake.
1: The
2: blood isn't.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, that guy uh, like made made a career out of hurting himself.
2: Like I said, if there is, if there, if Wolverine exists in the real world, his name is McFoley. <laughs>
0: Like, that exists in the real world. If if oh if Wade Wilson exists in the real world, he's Mick Foley. Yeah, they they cast that they cast that wrong. Brian Reynolds, it should be Mick Foley.
2: Well, you could always get him to voice over, you know, afterwards. Well, you, know, when he you get gets to play
0: it that way. You don't have to use you don't have to use CG for all the stunts. Yeah,
2: uh, and you know, honestly, as much as I love Mick Foley, the wrestler, I loved it when he was the commissioner of WWE. Back before the brand separation, you know, we had that little go-kart with, you know, the commissioner's office. And he would rule like a judge on every complaint that was ever issued to him. Oh, I miss those days.
0: So, what's the final note here? A stupid wedding, Neil? Oh, yeah. (sighs) Well. Is it a nice day to start again? nice day for a white (laughs) wedding?
1: Yeah, so basically we're, we're wrapping up here. Uh, well, before we get to the billion chuck wedding, uh, a quick note uh. is that basically now WWF or WWE, sorry, because they they got the F out after that whole ruling, uh, they they bought the tape library of WCW, AWA, and ECW, which a large large chunk of that is like NWA footage. So they pretty much own a large chunk of wrestling history in the United States. Um, so if you were ever a wrestling fan of like the eighties, uh, just, you should be checking out, uh, WWE's, uh, uh, recent DVD output because they have all this shit now. They have like, uh, uh, world class, they have, uh, whatever league Jerry Lawler was in. Uh, they have, they have all this shit now where they, and they, they have like the rights to use all of it. So any match from any era they have it now pretty much except for anything owned by TNA but uh, yeah the Billy and Chuck wedding okay this <laughs> a little primer before we get into this is that at the same time this was going on uh, Eric Bischoff had this had this uh, faction on Raw called uh, three-minute warning and he would come out and you know cut this promo and be all, be all like uh, I don't know what he, he would just babble for like five minutes and then he'd say something about three minutes and then he'd go, "Did I just say hear myself say three minutes?" And then out come, out would come this tag team named Three Minute Warning, and they would just completely clear the ring of whoever was there with Bischoff. So anyway, <laughs> the Billy and Chuck wedding. Billy and Chuck were these; they were a heel tag team, and early on, they were hinting that they were gay. Oh
2: God, <laughs>
1: and hinting. It Am just oh. Yeah, they would they would like help each other do exercises and massage each other's like thighs and shit like that. And
0: really, mis- was, really
1: ambiguous. They were they were quite the ambiguously gay duo. So this all this all uh, uh, much much to WWE's surprise, this was like really becoming popular with the fans. People were people loved Billy and Chuck. So they were like shit. We we got to turn them face. But for some reason WWE. Thought to themselves, well, they can't be gay anymore. So up comes the wedding, and and as the as they're uh, as they're bringing everything out to the ring, because of course everything happens in the ring. That's where like the whole wrestling world takes place. Uh, they fill the ring with this with this like awning or whatever you call it, and uh, out comes this this justice of the, of the piece, and this justice of the piece looks like like 150 years old. He's just kind of like shuffling to the ring, and his face is like. Just wrinkles on top of wrinkles. The most ridiculous person I've ever seen. And out come Billy and Chuck, and they're going through this. And as as the Justice of the Peace is reading, is like is reading the vows and everything. Billy and Chuck suddenly break character. They're like, Wait a minute, what what what's going on? This was just a publicity stunt. We're not gay.
2: We're just friends. And,
1: yeah. And then and then like the whole place just erupts when that happens because like their favorite tag team just became you know boring. But this justice of the peace is just standing there, and he's like, "Wait a minute! I've presided over many weddings, and and something about the the bonds of matrimony being sacred, whether they last like eighty years, five months, or three minutes." And then the justice of the peace breaks breaks character, and he goes, "Did I just hear myself say three minutes?" Oh no! And it's Eric, it's Eric Bischoff, and he tears off he tears off this mask, and sure enough, there he is. And then out comes his other tag team, and just beats the shit out of Billy and Chuck. So basically <laughs> they turned Billy and Chuck face and they turned them straight and after that nobody cared about it. And That's what's funny about funny. this
0: That's actually funny.
1: What's funny about this is that is that GLAD was on was on board with this. They they like bought a gift for Billy and Chuck. So the fans were into this. You know, they had they had uh, the gay rights activists on board and WWF just gave the middle finger to everyone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause didn't glad like try to sue them or something. I think
1: they did. Glad was pissed.
2: Cause they, they helped WWE like set this up to make sure it wasn't offensive and all that. Uh, with the yeah. promise that they were going to get married.
1: Yeah. Well, three minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, it, but the, the whole thing was like, it had to be about 20 minutes. It was on, it was on the screen for a long time and just that payoff at the end everyone's like holy shit and then there was there was a pay-per-view where where the two tag teams fought and it was nobody
0: cared yeah that's great so uh <sighs> i think that wraps up our wrestling special where we talked about some wrestling so uh hope you all learned anything i certainly did it's a it's a lot more than just uh 316 over here <laughs> so uh i'm your host ben
1: with T V mr neil
0: And JT from Saskatoon. And we're saying goodnight. Bye. So long.